This is your Frederick Real Estate Update, a conversation about the regional real estate market with tips for buyers and sellers. Your hosts, REMAX Results' Darren Ahern and Presidential Bank Mortgage's Terry Kernan. Hey folks, welcome back to your Frederick Real Estate Update. I am Darren Ahern with REMAX Results, bringing you over 20 years experience in the Maryland and Southern PA region. And I also have with me the man, the myth legend, the man with all the money over in Presidential Bank Mortgage, who doesn't have any kids he has to put into school down there at Gonzaga, Mr. Terry Kernan. <laughs> you, still like, you still are tied into Gonzaga stuff pretty good, I right? I am, yeah. The Terry Purple is Haze. the... Uh... The Purple Eagles. Purple Eagle, not, I said, you know, Purple yeah. Haze, but Purple <clears throat> Eagles, go. Our son Terry is the uh, assistant athletic director down That's there. That's awesome. And, uh, it's just a great place, and he loves it, and uh, uh, he's been there for 12 years. Uh, went there right after college and started um, coaching and and came back teaching, and now he's the assistant athletic director. And um, That's awesome. It's a great spot. So, yes. Yeah. You still go to the games? I remember we went, what was it? We went to the basketball game when they played, was it St. John's or whatever? That was the big rival game or something? It yes. Wow. Yeah. I need to know the schedule. American T. University. It was a championship game that some was years awesome. back. And, um, uh, basketball, but you also came to the St. John's football game. Yeah, we went football to the football game. game. Yes, both yes. basketball and football. So now that it's football season and basketball season coming up, T, let me know when we're going to go to a game. How's that? That sounds great. And I want to see your son be out there telling everybody how to get things done out there on the field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's good stuff. Shout out to him, right? Good stuff. All right, let's get right back into it. No numbers today. Everybody wants to know about this big controversial thing right now, Terry, that we have going on, and that is this. What is it? It's about the rental market. All right. First and foremost, I didn't mention it last week. We mentioned it before, but coming up in January, Terry, really important. If you own a rental property in Frederick City Limits. Okay. This January. Is, yeah. Coming up January 1st. By okay. then, it is mandatory that you have to go on the county website or the office and you must register your property. Everybody's like, register for what? Register for, ha <laughs> Register for the government to know that you own it, that you're going to abide by the new terms and rules and code enforcement stuff and all the fun stuff that deals mostly, which is good, safety concerns, issues, smoke detectors are updated and newer and all that, and you got handrails and you got this and that and blah, blah, blah. So already in place, as we know, if a property is built before 1978, you must um, you know, you have to get the lead base or lead, you know, lead based test free, safe testing done every single time you change renters. You have to do that, which most people know. If not, you get a violation. But the big thing is this 250, I believe, $250 a year is uh, $250, which you have to pay to register your property. And then what they're saying is after January 1st, when this kicks in, okay. Um, at any given moment, all the properties that are rentable that are registered, and if you don't register, big fines coming out. But um, it's random. It's random checks, okay? In the first two years, in 2024 and 2025, that at any given moment, you could have a little knocky on your door and a visitation if you have tenants in there or not or whatever. And they can come in code official, you know, code enforcement peoples and all them. Um, they can come and uh, check out your property. I heard 25% of all properties will definitely be visited randomly um, within the first two years. And so you don't want to take that gamble. I don't know what the fines and rules and regulations are on that. I don't own a property in the downtown proper area, but it's really important that you basically get yourself up to date. And if you know of anybody that owns it, it doesn't matter if you're doing Airbnb 
or any kind of rental at all. This is the stuff. These are the rules. And a lot of the um, things that got put into effect basically came out of Rockville, out of Montgomery County to be able to use them as a guideline and all that stuff like that. So anyways, that's how it works. Government more involvement. And that's what we've been talking about. Terry, as we've been talking about rent controls, what are the pros and the cons of this whole idea? We talked about the pros, Cap. Capping affordability for people that, yeah, they're getting tired of paying 7, 8, 10, 12% rent increases every year or a new lease that's renewed in their agreement and all that. I can't even remember the last time we've seen rents come down. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It just doesn't really happen. I mean, it's maybe been 15 years, maybe during the Great Recession. But even at that point, people say, well, that makes sense. No, it doesn't. Because we had the highest amount of foreclosure short sales we had ever done in our lives which was causing people to go rent, which means rental demand went through the roof during 09, 10, and 11. So I don't remember seeing them come down. The only time rents come down is when the inventory of rentals exceeds the demand for rental, and then the rental property sits on the market for 30, 60 days, and they don't have a rental application and a good qualified renter. And then all of a sudden, the landlord does what? They lower the rent 100 bucks, 150 $200 a month until they get a renter. We haven't seen that. I don't remember seeing that. I don't know if I've seen that in my 20 years. I don't think I can ever recall lowering rent like prices of homes in 20 years of doing 700 homes selling them or renting as well. I don't know. I've probably done 50 rentals. I don't know. I don't recall ever bringing one down. No, and I think what a lot of landlords do, Darren, um, uh, having been a landlord at one point years ago, was uh, you give that incentive because you don't ever want to lower your price. But you can give an incentive like first month free. Okay. Ah, there you go. So then you're not lowering your rental mm-hmm. fee, but what you're doing is you're giving them one month free. So technically you're lowering it, but in their mind, they're getting a good deal. In your mind, you're not having to lower and set a lower standard for the next time you rent it. If it's 1500 bucks, instead of lowering it to 1400 you can just give them the first month free, which is fifteen hundred bucks, but going into the next contract, you're still at fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. So, so yeah, rents really don't come down, um, and I don't ever see them coming down in the foreseeable future, because what you just talked about is the demand is always going to be higher than the supply, and why is that? Is we're not getting enough rentals. We're not getting enough multi family housing on the market we're not getting enough single family housing we're not getting enough condos we're not we have a extreme shortage and i talk about this every year when i go to the builder convention that the number one thing is demands at 1.2 million a year but we can only build eight to nine hundred thousand because of the trades aren't staffed well enough yep to get there so that shortage will continue and as long as there's a shortage rents will continue to go up. I don't ever recall seeing rents go down uh, either. You know, the the only time that they really stabilized, in my opinion, was when the rates were down at 3% two years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because then the competition for the rental was not the guy renting next door, but it was the guy selling next door because you could actually (laughs) rent a home for about the same amount of money that you could pay a mortgage. And last week or two weeks ago, I talked about the advantages of buying a home with the tax advantages and basically how much it it figures into a tax advantage 
by by buying a home. So that was the biggest competition. So so for a long time, I didn't see rents go up too high. But right now, that competition's gone because rates are at seven percent. So big time. That's a good point. So there you go. Also, the other pro was the supply of properties would increase because this would cause less people to desire to own investment properties. So if the government stepped in and said, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Owner, Landlorder, guess what? We're going to tell you what you can charge, what you can't charge. That would do it. That would really cause, you know, for the favor for the tenants, of course. And then we'd have more on the market, which means there's more to pick from. And then that competition goes up, which means landlords have to maybe spend a little bit more money fixing things up, new carpet, new paint, new appliances, and fixing up, making it better in that way as well, rather than renting it without doing some of these things and, and a myriad of um, things like that. So it makes sense. So those would be all in favor of the tenant. But what are the cons? What are the cons of having rent controls where the government steps in and dictates laws, good or bad or indifferent, to the landlord owners and what they must follow, which means really it almost feels like now, as Tucker Carlson would say, it almost feels like the government owns the property maybe at this point, and you don't. How's that sound? All right, the government has more control over the laws, slippery slope to force owners to abide by laws that may negatively affect ownership and the freedom of what you can and can't do with the property. That would be the biggest um, con to it. So, so you want me to pitch in on this? Come one. on, T. I want to okay. hear what you got on that one. Well, I I, I think it would be the wrong move to do, and, and and the reason I'm saying that is, the government took the side, and I'm not saying it was wrong what they did. I thought it was a great move, but I think that they damaged the relationship between landlords and tenants Mm. during COVID when they basically said to the landlords, you cannot evict anybody. And then they came back and said to the tenants, you don't have to pay the landlord until further notice. And and that caused a tremendous, tremendous amount of hardship on, on the landlords. I mean, I had, uh, I had several landlords calling saying, Hey, can I refinance? Yeah. And we're like, as long as you qualify without a mortgage payment, like being able to carry the mortgage payment without the rental income, yeah, yeah. then we can, you know, because for that period of time, a lot of these uh, landlords in it, I, I don't know what that percentage was, but I got to believe it was over 50% maybe. But that would be an interesting thing to see what amount of landlords did not receive rent, you know, um, during COVID and they couldn't do anything about it. And there was no way to recover from it. And there were a lot of people that it caused a tremendous amount of hardship. So to come back now, two years later, after such a damaging move and saying, Hey, you, you've got to restrict what you do. I think that's going to hurt the investors even more. And I don't think that they'll be selling or getting out of the business because they're not making money. But I think just, the trend of where it's going and pure frustration. We'll see less people wanting to become uh, an investor. And and it's very important that we do have investors, that we do have renters, oh, yeah. that we do have landlords out there because there's a lot of people that can't get into a home yep. or they don't believe that they can get into a home. Exactly. The big question that came to my own when you talked about that was, did you have anybody or did the landlords have the opportunity to be able to call the mortgage lender, holder, servicer, and say, hey, does this mean I don't have to pay my mortgage? If the tenant don't have to pay theirs, I don't have to pay mine. Can we just delay this thing? Did that happen? 
Uh, th- there was a lot of that talk. That but, was, but, yep, but, but it never but, happened, did it? Correct. What about forbearance? Now, as we know, there were a lot of people <clears throat> that could take advantage during COVID of putting their mortgage payments in deferment, if you will, kind of like loans, uh, student loans and things, that it could be back-ended. It could be put on the back end. and eh, you, don't pay. you know, I haven't heard a lot of chatter about that either, and it's been a long time. But, Terry, wasn't that an option for owners of investment properties as well? Not just primary? I, I'm not 100% sure, but, but I believe that was the case. So the, so there were a lot of situations where um, uh, doing forbearance, and I, I've got to check on that because, you know, uh, the, there's so much still COVID fog. I mean, so much yes. went on that, that during that time where, and, and I'm not speaking f- for just myself, but where so many things were happening yep. in that moment in time that you look back and you say, was that real or was that a dream? Yeah. Was that yeah, a nightmare yeah. or was that real? Twilight Zone. So, so that's a very good question that I would like to find out for myself. I don't know what that answer is, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to find out. But I believe that the uh, people, if if you had a second home or investment, you could go into forbearance. But I'm not sure about that. I'm going to have to research that one. Yeah, research it because you know good what? question. We all, we all forgot about forbearance. I haven't heard about that. I haven't been to a settlement yet where. The title attorney says, oh, Merry Christmas. Wait a minute. On the Alta statement, we've got some forbearance money in the background that still needs to pay off. Kind of like a second, uh, we call it a junior lien, a second um, holder or a mechanics lien or something like that that doesn't come up until it's been something that's been recorded against the property and in in, in it's on the deed and stuff like or on, on the title. And it's something that's negatively affecting it as far as the value that needs to be paid out or something. And that could be back taxes. There's a whole bunch of those things like that. And that is what separates us real estate agents because it's always good to know, like when I sell properties, I always want our title attorneys. It's got to be clean. I, don't, I want to know how clean we're dealing with here, right? And, and, and all that. And, uh, and I know you guys as lenders, you want to know that too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it makes sense that we know, Terry, that it's a likely negative affecting values. If you start messing up with the free market, you start messing with the ebb and flows, the highs and the lows and all that, it's not going to end well. It's not going to be a good thing. And it's not good that we, that's a con that having the government control landlords and it does, and it will lower the rents. And here begs the next problem. Something that, ooh, don't know how many people have thought about, but whenever you put controls on values and what you can and can't charge, this can cause less investment ownership due to the fact that investors now have the possibility of having properties where they're no longer able to pay off their mortgage payments. And somebody says, well, how's that work? Well, if they refinance the property because they weren't getting paid during COVID and they had to refinance it to be able to keep it and to pay the mortgage payment because they couldn't put it in forbearance or not have the option to pay it for a while and defer it completely altogether, like we saw with student loans, what happens is this. Now you got a mortgage that they owe, let's say the average investor owes $1,600 a month mortgage payment on the property, but they were getting $1,800, 1900 they had a little cash flow, they could maintain it and keep it, and it's going, it's going, it's going. And then all of a sudden, the more, and then all of a sudden, the government comes in and says, whoa, you can only, you can't charge more than 1500 for that. Terry, the first thing is, the owner of the property is going to go, whoa, 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 we owe $1,600 a month mortgage payment. You're now telling us you, we can only charge 1500 a month rent. That means out of my pocket, I got to pay $100 a month just to keep the property. Government says, we don't really care. We're in charge here. There's a new sheriff in town. You can't charge more than fifteen hundred. Do you think that's going to be a problem for the owner of the property? Well, I th- yes, of course it will be. But but what what we're also looking at is one of the reasons that rents are going up is um, 
any new investor getting into the market. So, yeah. so we're not seeing a lot of investment properties. Why? Uh, investment property financing is very hard to get. Yes. Okay. Why is it hard to get? Because Fannie and Freddie don't want investment properties in people's portfolios, and they don't want second homes in people's portfolios. There you go. So the rates to go Fannie and Freddie on investment properties is is like over 8% right now. You're going to pay okay? for it. That's so you're going to pay for it. But let's talk about an 8% mortgage versus an investor that – so let's say I get upset and I say, you know what, I'm going to get out of this investment business. I'm going to sell my investment properties. I'm going to move on. And it's a multi-unit property, and let's say it's in downtown Frederick or downtown Hagerstown or wherever it is. And I'm going to sell this multi-unit, and it's a three-unit, and it's rented, and I've got good cash flow. Well, it doesn't mean that the guy buying it's going to have good cash flow, right? That's it, right there. Because I'm I'm getting out, but I have a three and a half percent investment loan, Boom. and now I got to go up to eight percent. So the next guy, so so that's going to do what? It's going to decrease the value of my property because. People look at when buying an investment property, how close am I to breaking even? Am I making money or am I losing money? How much am I losing? So so that 8% that they now got to spend to do an investment property changes the whole ball game. Yep. So so you can't really say, okay, well, you can only charge $1,500. Well, I'm going to lose $800 a month. Why would I be in this ball game? There you go. So Good, good, good. Kind one of there. a roundabout way, but that's... That's it. That's the, perfect. The, the, so these the are the cons. The other one is this. Ooh, it could cause many more foreclosures in the market with negative, which always pretty much negatives impact the community in many capacities. All values are negatively impacted whenever you have foreclosure things. So we don't want investment properties going into foreclosure because they're maxed out and they can't afford it no more. And, and, and the other con is it puts people potentially out on the streets. Because if it goes to foreclosure, you know, what's going to happen with the tenants? What rights do they have? Getting cash for keys. Who's going to pay for that? Now the government comes in. But if the government comes in and says, hey, we're going to take care of this. So, and it also is the con is it also takes away from private individual type ownership and properties and investing. And now it opens up the floodgates for possibility of big corporations and companies to come in and scoop up all these investment properties. And they're not even in that kind of business. They're just scooping up real estate, scooping up real estate. And somebody says, does that happen? Yeah. Go Google BlackRock and see how much property they bought up during COVID. It'll blow your mind. Okay. Nothing against BlackRock. I don't care what they do and other companies and corporations. Anybody can do anything they want as long as it falls and it's not illegal, but it does take away from individual private ownership. If you get corporations and companies and different things doing this and that. So I don't know, good thing, bad thing, a different thing, who knows? But you got to think about this kind of stuff that's really important of all the different levels of cons that could potentially dictate and affect a property negative. So there you go. Terry, life on the streets. Let's get into the mortgage world. What's happening? So we just talked about rents, right? We did. And so what I want to talk a little bit about is, and I've said it on the show a million times, well, not a million, but but at least a hundred times. Don't always believe what you think. Yeah, okay? I'm starting so to many that way people, now. So many people believe that they can't get into a house and that they have to rent because, number one, I don't have the money to do it, okay? So let's talk a little bit about how you can become a renter, uh, a non-renter, and be a homeowner. So last week I talked about the difference 
with, or two weeks ago, I talked about the difference when uh, between buying a home and selling a home, and the, and the numbers that I used was $300,000, the equivalent in cash flow out of your pocket, the money that you owe Uncle Sam. And if you didn't listen to that show, uh, I got calls on it. It was a great informational. Yeah, we um, rocked it. It was a great informational. But I talked about the tax advantage to buying a home now rather than renting, okay? Yep. So a $2,200 rent is the equivalent in today's market of about a $2,800 mortgage payment, okay? Heard it from the man. So it's about a $600 difference. So so people say, well, I want to rent. So we're going to talk about a couple of things. Let's talk about grants that are available. City of Frederick, 10 to 12, I mean, Frederick County, 10 to 12, thousand depending on your income hap okay that's going to be a program that you're going to have to pay it back but it we're going to give it to you up front you can piggyback it with the city or you can piggyback it with the atlanta fhlb grant that we have the city will give up to ten thousand dollars these are all income dependent um, programs okay so there's a lot of money out there Federal Home Loan Bank that we have through Presidential, uh, we do a ton, $15,000 for a 15. teacher, veteran, uh, community partner, a police officer. It's not somebody that, that you know, is a teacher at a college. We've done it for somebody that was in the maintenance department at Montgomery College, got him $12,000 several years back. So, so there's a lot of grant money out there. Utilize it. Now, the Atlanta grant is temporarily, you know, we, we're, we're getting a little here, getting a little here, um, but they're going to replenish it hopefully soon. But it's a great program. State of Maryland, bottom line, they want you to be a homeowner. So they have a lot of great programs. Let's talk about going with the state of Maryland. Why would I go with the state of Maryland if I don't need money? Right? Yeah, why would you if do I that? If I don't need down payment assistance, why would I go with the state of Maryland? The state of Maryland basically takes a look at the interest rates that we charge, that we have out on the streets, and they undercut everybody out on the streets. So if you're a first-time home buyer and you don't need down payment assistance, in today's market, you can get 6.625%. Nice. Okay? Seems like a high rate, but in today's market of 7 and an eighth. That's an extremely low rate, yeah. seven and a That's quarter. That's like a built-in buy-down. How's yes, that? Yes, it is a built-in buy-down for good. A built-in buy-down permanently, <coughs> too. So if you don't need places. that down payment assistance, it's good. then that's a great rate. Do I utilize that? Yes. It's a very good program to utilize. First-time home buyers. First-time home buyers. If you need $6,000, your rate's going to be 7.375. You can get 3%. That's going to be 3% of the sales price. That's going to be a rate of 7.375%. 4% down payment assistance, 4%. All this money you have to pay back, 7.5%. So so there's about, uh, about a half percent difference from what today's market is for what the rates are going to be. 5% down payment assistance. That's wow. going to almost get you home, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So in the state yeah, of Maryland, if you're not getting, <clears throat> yeah, because if you're not getting closing costs or nothing in all these multiple offer situations, still, which you're not going to, um, then the bottom line is getting that five percent from the CDA monies pays all your closing costs because nine out of ten times, Terry, uh, when I do the calculations for buyers, that's about four and a half percent of the purchase price. Yes. So there you go. You're coming in without no money, out of pocket, bingo, got the program to do it. 
So, so basically, you're looking at great down payment assistance. So I tell people 3% down payment on a conventional loan plus 45 for closing costs. So when you're looking at a house, figure on 8% to get you in totally, okay, yep. if you can do that. Now, we talked about forbearance earlier in the program, about mortgages. What has been the number one loan in forbearance since COVID? Student loans. Oh, okay. What do we have coming? We have people that are going to have to start paying their student loans back. Okay. They haven't paid for three years. So what does that mean? State of Maryland has what's called the smart buy. We will pay up to $40,000 off worth of your student loans. This is something that is forgivable at 20% per year. That number wow. just, just two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that number was $50,000. But I think the state of Maryland said we can get more people to get into yeah. the program, pay off $40,000 worth of your student loan debt because people are starting to call like crazy. Yeah. I, I'm getting about two calls a day for people that want to do the smart buy program because they know that the forbearance is ending. A year ago, when I talked to somebody about that, they'd say, oh, my student loans are going to be forgiven. I said, okay, let's let me know how that works out for yeah, you. Yeah, right, right, right. And that is not the case. Student loans are going to have to get paid back. So there's so much money out there. You just got to work with somebody like myself that yep. knows the money, knows the tricks of the trade, knows what to do, and knows how to make it happen. That's one of the first questions I ask buyers now is um, not only are you a Maryland first-time home buyer, and not only how much cash do you have and the holding yards and everything like that, but do you have student loans, Your Honor? That's a great question because of what Terry's talking about right here. Up to forty thousand dollars can be uh, can be wiped out and forgiven over time. And there you go. We got two minutes. What else? What else? Um, I think the bottom line is that that when you're seeing the escalating rents, when you're seeing the tax advantages that that buying a home can do, that it helps to actually investigate. Don't believe what you're hearing all the time. Rates are really high. It's unbelievable. I believe that rates can only come down. Yeah. So this 7%, or if you go with a down payment assistance, 7 and 3, these payments that you're looking at, I believe are temporary. Number one question that people ask me, can you refinance a Maryland mortgage program loan? The answer is yes. Wow. You can you can refinance it. So when the rates come down, that rate also comes down. Number two question is people say, why do they charge me a higher rate? Because you are getting something very, very, very yep. tangible there. Yeah, very now, all that down payment assistance that I talked about, you have to pay back. If you sell that house in 30 years, you're paying the state of Maryland back in 30 years. If you sell it in three years, you're paying it back. That $40,000, that you, we wipe off student loans, you're not paying that back unless you move out of that house or sell that house in the next five years, okay? That's forgiven 20% a year. That's, that's a, a huge, huge, huge program. Yeah, that's huge. So it, the money's out there. The, sure is. The, the, the ability's out there. You know, it's tough right now, but it's always worth looking at. Yeah, and this stuff, as rates come down, who knows, at any given moment, this stuff can go away. And that's the thing people need to realize. So Terry and I are always here for you. We're here. Call Terry up, get a tune-up on on uh, your loan stuff and, and all that. 
Give me a call. I'm going to educate you on a customized plan on how to sell your home or get you into one that I promise you is going to be amazing with my 20 years experience. So thanks so much for tuning in. Tell your family and friends. Ring the bell. Click it. Ding it. Send it out. Do whatever you want. That is all good with it. We appreciate you tuning into your Frederick Real Estate Update. We'll see you each and every Saturday right here on WFMD. Thanks so much. Take care. Looking to purchase a home or refinance your existing mortgage? If so, Lawyer Signature Settlements is here to assist you with that process. Lawyer Signature Settlements is a local attorney-owned title company with over 100 years of combined experience conveniently located in Frederick, Maryland. We are licensed to conduct closings in the states of Maryland, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and West Virginia. With two attorneys on staff here at Lawyer Signature Settlements, we ensure the most thorough review process paired with affordable rates, accommodating scheduling, and outstanding customer service. So next time you need to place your signature on closing documents, call Lawyer Signature Settlements at 301-695-1235 or visit us on the web at www.signaturesettlements.com. We hope to see you at the closing table. Hello, this is Terry Kernan with Presidential Bank Mortgage in downtown Frederick. And the best way to reach me always is on my cell phone at 301-639-9244, 301-639-9244, or you can always email me at tkernan at presidential.com. And this is Darren Ahern from REMAX Results. You can reach me anytime, 240-344-1713. Again, it's 240-344-1713 or at DarrenAhern at gmail.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to your Frederick Real Estate Update. We will see you each and every Saturday right here on WFMD at 11 o'clock.